Hey, this is Gerd Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love. Inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Sandel and today I want to share with you someone who's helping brown girls to unpack their guilt and shame. Harpo Mandir is passionate about helping South Asian women to find their inner voice and release their brown girl guilt, to express their true self and live their soul's purpose. Hi Harpo, I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, bless you. I'm just excited to just like dive in deep and know more about you. And I'd love to share with, for the listeners, what was your life like before you became your true self? Oh my gosh. It was now when I think back to it, I just, the word turmoil just comes into my mind. Um, turmoil, misalignment, um, a lot of drama and um, this like deep, long, like, you know, this like really dark feeling of despair always. Um, and I think I didn't know it at the time. Like I didn't really have the language or the, the words to sort of describe my life as that at the time. But now when I look back before I found my purpose, before I started to live um, a life of authenticity and alignment, I think that there was so much conflict, like inner conflict, outside Mm -hmm. conflict. Um, my life used to feel like, um, you know, I always, I said this to my therapist once I said, and this is sort of like before I found my purpose, I said, my life feels like, you know, when you're watching um, a trailer um, for a scary movie where there's like a really nice idyllic, um, you know, scene. And then all of a sudden it like sort of like flashes for like a quick second to something dark and scary and then comes back to the idyllic scene and then flashes again to that dark, scary thing and back to the idyllic scene. That's how my life used to feel where like, you know, everything was really pretty and and nice around me but on the inside was this like really dark scary scene of a of a horror movie all the time and it my life was just a constant flashing between the outside and the inside again and again and not necessarily understanding why there was no alignment on the outside and the inside wow I can really relate with that because my life before I changed my life around I was the same like everything looked perfect on the outside but on the inside I was just an utter mess like my emotions were all over the place. I didn't know who I was. And I guess a lot of that stems from the people pleasing and the sacrificing and the guilt that we have as brown girls growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you end up carrying so much of other people's emotions and their feelings and their, you know, like what, what they want and what their needs are that you, you live a very disembodied life. Like you're living a life that is for everybody else. Um, and then, you know, then you wonder like, why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so depleted? And it's because you haven't charged yourself, right? It's sort of like handing your phone charger to all your friends to charge their phones, but you didn't <laughs> charge your phone before you went out. And then you're like, well, now I don't have my phone to take pictures and videos of tonight. That's how it used to feel all the time. Mm. What was like the turning point for you when you just said enough is enough and just dived in deep? 
you know, somebody actually asked me the other day too, it was like, well, so when did you know that you were sort of like meant for something bigger or your purpose was a lot larger? Um, and I had that same feeling then that I just had now when you asked me this question is like, I actually don't even know. Like if I was to really sit down and look backwards and ask myself, what was that like turning point? Um, I don't know. Like I'm not even able to really pinpoint what it was. I think I've just always had this really strong conviction to live my life on my terms. And I think, you know, I talked about this in a really recent podcast episode that I recorded for Brown Girl Guilt, my podcast, that disruption used to be really um, aggressive before. And it used to be like a lot of fighting and arguing. And I think maybe the switch happened for me when I sort of put the armor down and was like, I am so tired. I don't want to do this anymore. So even though I've always wanted to live my life on my terms and sort of have the conviction to live a true life, before it was really combative. It was really like, you know, I, I'm going to fight everyone. I'm going to defend myself fiercely. And then, so maybe perhaps the switch was when I sort of said enough is enough. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm going to embrace softness. And now softness is going to be disruption. Perhaps that was the switch. Um, there's one story that I think really, really solidified it for me um, was I was taking a salt bath and, you know, I was really going through something really hard at the time. I had to make a really hard decision. Um, and I got into my bath. I turned off the lights, set some candles. Um, I don't know what it was, but I took um, a crystal into the bath with me. It was an amethyst crystal, but I don't know what came over me, but I took the amethyst and I held it in my hand and I just kept saying to the universe, give me a sign, give me a sign. I really, really want to do this, but I don't know what I should do. And, um, the universe was listening and a song came on shuffle, um, while I was in the bath. Um, and that song was the song that I used to really listen to as like a kid. It just made me super happy to listen to. And it used to put a huge smile on my face and it used to like help me imagine all the possibilities of who I could possibly be. And that song came on shuffle and I immediately started to cry because that was the universe's mm -hmm. way of speaking to me and sort of telling me that I can be whatever I want. I can make the hard decisions and I'll still be okay. And I think in that moment, I realized, okay, I'm not alone, you know, and I, I can have the conviction to live my life and not have to be so strong against the world. I can just be mm -hmm. soft and be myself and, and make that hard decision for myself. Wow. I got goosebumps when you said that, <laughs> when the song came <laughs> on. It's amazing how the universe works when it's like, yeah, I just even think, just thinking back to what you were saying earlier, like, it sounds like, like, growing up, you had to be this tough, like, almost like warrior woman, and you had to put up with things. And then one day, it was like, enough is enough, I just need to be kind to myself and love myself and accept myself. Yeah, because like, living your life with a really negative inner voice, um, mm -hmm. one that is really hard on you, really mean to you, um, is just not the way that I wanted to live anymore. Like I could, I, I don't know, like it just, sometimes it feels like there's been like a sense of like divine intervention where, you know, I might've been able to accept that hard inner critic, but then the universe was like, no, we have a lot more to do. And so I need you to work on developing a kinder inner voice. I need you to have a better relationship with yourself and to be compassionate with yourself and just, even make the attempt to, to just even try to love yourself because we have a lot to do. Um, and so it has felt a lot like divine intervention um, and like really switching that relationship with myself has really been what has saved me. Wow. 
I hear you. I really understand what you're saying. Cause like, even for me, when it was, this was God, we're talking a long time ago, but I had a cancer scare and the cancer scare actually woke me up. And, you know, when you go through those low, yeah, when you go through those low moments, you're thinking, why me? What have I done to deserve this? And I was sat in the hospital waiting for my results. And I heard a voice say, you created this. And I was like, what? And I looked around the room. <laughs> there was nobody there. I thought I was going crazy. And then I got my results and they misdiagnosed me and I ran out of the hospital crying. And all I heard in my head was, it's time to heal. And that was my turning point. And I just never went back. Like I just shifted and evolved and everything, like you said, like the universe just kept bringing things into my life. And it, God, even just thinking back to the old person like that, I don't even know who she is anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. And yourself, I'm sure you feel the same. Like the old you is so different to who you are now. And I think that within our culture, <sighs> women are treated as secondary. And I think that's where a lot of us growing up don't know how to love ourselves, don't know how to accept ourselves because it's not mirrored for us by other people within our family. Absolutely not. And I feel like we're also like not, no one's really holding us back, but like there's this general feeling of like, we're not really allowed to change. We're not really allowed Mm -hmm. to grow, right? Like when sometimes when I meet people who used to know that previous version of me, I feel like this like sense of really strong responsibility to like convince them that I've changed, convince them that I'm different now and be apologetic for who I used to be and to really be like, no, 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 I'm spiritual now. Like I'm I'm different. Um, But I think like it's, it's because, um, so I saw so many people in my life growing up who were just so fearful of changing and stepping out of the status quo and really embracing what they really wanted and how they wanted their life to go. Um, and it's fair because the repercussions for those people who really did embrace what they really wanted to be were severe. Like they were outcasted from families. They weren't spoken about, you know, I had a cousin that I didn't even know I had until I was like 10 once because, wow. you know, they chose to really live their life on their terms. And we just, we, we weren't allowed to know who this person was. So I think like there was no examples, like you said, of especially women in my life growing up um, who were really choosing themselves. And so, you know, I always say you can't become what you can't see. And so if I wasn't seeing that, there was no way that I could have even, even attempted to do that. Yeah. It's so true, like what you're saying, because even for me growing up, I don't remember seeing like, well, actually, if I did see it was a very rare person, a very rare female, but she'd be very strong in her energy. But people around her would say that she's bad or she's selfish because she's not conforming to what the Indian culture wants. But looking back, you know, you know, you'd think, oh, that's not bad. You shouldn't do that. But actually looking back now, it's like, no, she was so powerful. Like that's such an inspiration to be able to just be yourself in the world and not give a shit what anyone thinks. Like that's, that is what true self-love is. And that's what true, like living your purpose is as well. Like, you know, the divine created you for a reason, the way you are, if you keep confirming, like conforming into what society wants, you'll never be your true self. You'll never love yourself. You'll never accept yourself. I love that you said that because, you know, at the time that we're recording this episode, it's a day before International Women's Day and (laughs) something that I, something that I want to post to Instagram on Women's Day actually is this quote from, I don't know if you are familiar with the show, it's called Boy Meets World. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't, no. Mm. The Boy Meets World is this popular show that used to come on and 
in North America when I was growing up. And there was a character in there and his, his name is Mr. Feeney. He's the high school teacher. And he's this like wise guy that like, you know, all the, the, all the students sort of like, you know, he's on their side. He's a little bit hard on them, but he's on their side. And so I wanted to, I want to post this on International Women's Day and I'll read out the quote to you. Mr. Feeney says to the student, if you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you will never grow as a person. But if you leave yourself open to experience, despite what, what others think, then you will learn and grow. And that just remind what you said reminded me of this quote, because if we yeah, like if we start to think so heavily about what other people are going to think about us, we start to live a very small life. We live a very unfulfilled like life that is not allowing for our fullest expression. And we have to, we have to not care about what people are going to think about us and say about us. Um, you know, like we have to let go of that, that fear of judgment from people. Absolutely. And if you look at men, men are completely different to women. Men don't really care what people think. It's women that have been conforming from, we're talking like centuries, not just within our community, but within every community. Women have been molded to be people pleasers, sacrificers, be the doormat. And so as women are rising up now, which we're seeing more than ever before, and they're embracing their divine feminine, it's scaring people around them. And especially within our community, they just don't know what to do. Yeah, they really don't. And my favorite is, you know, how you mentioned, like, when you were growing up, and you would see these, like, women with powerful energy, and people used to talk about them. Now, as an adult, I've just started to really align myself with those women and, like, make it a point to say, oh, I'm friends with so and so or like, (laughs) I connected with so and so to like, really give the uncles in my life a run for their money. And you just, you just see it on their face. And they say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be close with that person. And I, I, I just like to say, why? Like, how come? And they have no answers because they don't know how to explain that, that powerful energy, this divine, powerful energy of this woman who is living her life on her own terms actually terrifies them. There's not anything, you know, quote unquote wrong with this person. They're living a very happy, successful life, mm-hmm. um, you know, but because there's something about the way that they live their life that makes this, you know, uncle in my life uncomfortable, I'm told to stay away from them, but I'm so deep, you know, in Punjabi, we say deep, yeah. you know, I'm so deep <laughs> that I align myself very closely with those same women. <laughs> It's because that's who you're meant to be around, the people who are real, who are authentic, who are going to be honest with you. I think so much within our culture is is putting on a good show for the community, right? Like you mm-hmm. put on the show of like, oh, you're happy. You know, my family is great, but on the inside, you're like crying inside. <laughs> it's If we just had those honest conversations, my God, there would be so many people with more like better mental health and being able to just ask for help and receive it. I think our culture needs to change. I feel like the, the way women are perceived in our culture needs to change because actually, if you look at it, they're supposed to be Sikh warrior women within our culture, mm-hmm. but we've forgotten about them because we get told, beta, you know, people please, beta, do this for me or do that. And you just end up becoming this like mold of what other women have been doing before us. Right. I think what happens is like, we have to, you know, I think that the first step is for you to turn your gaze inward and to really ask yourself, okay, what is my relationship with myself? Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I always say that, like, we give people the blueprint for how they're allowed to treat us. And so we teach them how they're allowed to teach us. So if we have to, if we want people to treat us differently, um, we want to be able to take up space, you know, our rightful space, 
what I always think is that, you know, I have to sit, sit down, turn around and look at myself and ask myself, okay, what is my relationship with myself? Where am I judging myself? Where am I criticizing myself? Where am I not allowing myself to live authentically and express freely? And I think when I start to ask myself those questions and then I answer them really honestly, then I'm able to identify the gaps in, in my relationship with myself. And so when I start working on those and then I start taking up my rightful space, that's when I sort of like, like I, that's when I can not accept disrespect. That's when I can set boundaries because if I have committed to respecting myself, then how dare somebody else disrespect me? And I think, um, like I have to be able to set that example for people around me, for people to be invited in. And I think in the past, like, you know, if you were to ask me like, what was my life like before, before I never really, I, I was too fearful. And I used to think like, well, people won't get it. Like, you know, I'm just going to have to be met with resistance. What I truthfully found is that people, you know, that really love you and care about you, but are maybe just stuck in like the old ways of doing things and don't know any different. Those people will make room for you. Like I say that mm-hmm. about my parents all the time is like, I just really anchored down. And I was like, I'm not budging. I'm not moving. And I think what they ended up doing was realizing that, okay, Harpo is not going to budge. She's not <laughs> going to move because they love me. Right. And that's yeah. not the case for like, I mean, that might not be the case for everybody listening, but my parents just kind of conformed. They kind of just came around. And I think like, had I, had I stuck with the fear of like, okay, they're never going to come around. It's going to be so hard. What's the point? Like if I hadn't even given myself a shot, I would have never been able to learn and understand that actually they did make room for me because I demanded it. Yeah. That's the thing. What you're saying is it's, it's all about boundaries. And I think a lot of us didn't grow up knowing what boundaries are. And that's just not even just within our community, women in general, don't know boundaries um and when you start placing those boundaries it can be really hard you know I remember the first time I did it my voice was like shaking like oh that person (laughs) for doing this I'm like oh and when I did it it was so liberating that the more I did it the easier it became and you know people that would probably take advantage of me that I'd allowed at the time a few words to say about my coaching program are you ready to transform your trauma and trust yourself so you can powerfully move forward in your life then my infinite trust method is for you. It is a five-step signature system that helps trauma healing, boundaries, inner child, masculine and feminine energy, and health. If you want to know more about this, send me an email at info at or direct message me at IamGerds. That's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S. We're starting to know that they couldn't do that anymore. And that's not just with family, that's with friends, that's within the community, um, anyone I met. like, And I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the people, like you said, who love you will learn to understand that actually this is her boundary and I'm going to respect that. But obviously it's not going to happen overnight. It might take a few months or a year or two, but you doing that work is going to set the tone of how people treat you in the future. I'd love to talk to you about brown girl guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love brown girl guilt. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So where did that come from? You know, um, brown girl guilt was something that, um, again, divine intervention. I, in 2019, um, posted something to Instagram, um, and it was a graphic that I made on Canva and it was a black background with the words brown girl guilt in white. And I just put a caption in that post and said, you know, the brown girl guilt is so real. And I sort of described uh, an instance very recently that I had experienced brown girl guilt and just so many women like from all over 
liked it, commented on it, shared it, saved it, like messaged me in my DMs about it. And I thought to myself, wow, this is, this is unique. This is, this is interesting. I, I've been experiencing brown girl guilt for all this time and I've put it out in the world, but I just, just now I'm realizing that thousands and thousands of other women also feel this. And so I sort of just took it, put it in my back pocket and left it there and thought, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book one day. It's going to be called brown girl guilt. Um, and then, you know, the world fell apart. <laughs> we had a pandemic. Um, and I was finding myself, um, sort of in like work situations that weren't really fulfilling me. And I was like feeling really disconnected from my purpose. And for some reason, my mind just kept coming back to that Brown girl guilt post and sort of like the community that I sort of like, um, was, you know, really wrapped up in when I made that post. And then, so later that year in 2020, I decided, okay, I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to be called Brown Girl Guilt. And I'm just, I didn't really know what it was going to look like or what I wanted it to feel like and how far I wanted it to go. I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll set up a podcast mic and, you know, I'll just start talking about my experiences with Brown Girl Guilt and the women in my life can sort of start to have a place where they can experience community and sort of understand that they're not in isolation. And then a year has gone by now, you know, the podcast has been out for a year and it's now streamed in like 89 countries. You know, we've got so many streams, so many people who are, you know, really, really part of the community now. And I think the reason that it's, it is doing the way that, you know, performing the way that it is performing um, and sort of has built the community that it has is because it speaks to a very nuanced experience, which is the brownness, the feminineness, and then the emotion that you know is really prevalent which is the guilt mm-hmm. it's a very unique and nuanced experience but it's also sort of universal in the way that it is it is felt and it shows up in different ways so like your brown girl guilt might look very different than mine but I feel like if we were to really sort of like get to the root of it it's all coming from a place of not necessarily living in our bodies and doing what we want to do, but having to conform to a sort of role or choices that have been, you know, created for us before, like we could actually create them and then sort of fed, fed to us. Mm -hmm. So that's where it came from. And I think where I see it going now is just like, you know, sort of giving other Brown girls and women around the world, this push to really live a life without, guilt being the number one feeling when we're moving through experiences oh that's beautiful and I found you through through um Spotify and I I was listening Mm -hmm. to you and horsepower and I was like wow I was like oh my god there are other Asians like me (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking for you you know you know it's that feeling and I think that's what it is what you've you've amazingly nailed is that there are so many others out there who are unique, mm-hmm. who are looking to meet each other, who are looking to learn from one another and wanting to release that guilt. And I think that's what you've beautifully done is, is create a community of South Asian women just coming back home to themselves and saying, it's okay to release that guilt and just be yourself. Yeah. And to really like, it, it, it's such a, you know, it can be really terrifying to do that alone. It can be really terrifying. And you you might not, not necessarily have like the, you know, the idea to get started. You might not even know how to do it, but just having like a voice in your ear 
that is sort of playing out a lot of those experiences and telling their stories and their experiences with that emotion that really feels hard to let go of can give you the courage to sort of embark on your own journey, releasing it. You might not be able to release it right away or in the same way that me, you know, Harpo, the podcast host is doing, but at least it gives you sort of like, you know, a, a, a cocoon to sort of try and do that in. Right. And um, my, my goal is that I'm able to really create community in real time for that to happen in real spaces where we can energetically hold each other um, so that we can move through that guilt together. Because again, like it can be a very terrifying and isolating experience to try and do it on your own. Yeah, exactly. And when you're going through that, you think you're the only person and with podcasts, which are so amazing, is actually they show you that you're not alone. There are other people mm-hmm. going through it and you can get that that support. That's the reason why I created the Inner Light Project was because I knew everyone has a light within them and I wanted them to know that they can heal whatever there is that's happening in their life. You know, just listening to one episode could actually help them to really tap into the wisdom that they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And you never know, like, you know, you might hear something um, or I might say something or you might say something in the inner light project. And just that like one word or that one sentence can vastly change the trajectory of somebody's life. Like just that one thing. And it, it might just be a click and it might just be something that they needed to hear. And, you know, um, and maybe you can relate to this because the sort of work that we're doing requires a really like, you know, really strong degree of vulnerability. It's really hard. It's been really hard for me in the beginning. It was like, you know, I used to have a lot of vulnerability hangovers where I would release a podcast to the world and maybe I was like crying about my love life on it or something. Um, and then like have vulnerability hangover the next day to be like, oh my God, I can't believe I just cried on the microphone for the entire world to hear. Um, <laughs> but I think like I've had to really move through it and just embrace my vulnerability as my gift and the courage that is required to be vulnerable as like my strength. And um to really understand that like, okay, I'm doing this because I am meant to do this and you know, that it's important for me to do it. So like, even though it feels like, yeah, okay. Harpo was just crying about her love life on a podcast episode, but the reaction and the chain, like the domino effect that it has on all the listeners around me is, is basically what you just, what you said is like, it's helping other women walk themselves back home to themselves. Absolutely. And like vulnerability is so powerful because well, I understand like when I start first started sharing my story, I actually started doing it on stage. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, like many years ago. And like, you know, I started off with working with young people and they're like, what's your story? And I was like, oh, I don't have a story. And then they'd ask me and I'd share it and they'd be crying. I'd be crying. And then on stage. <laughs> and then when I when I started, I had a radio show many years ago and, you know, that's where it started. Um having these conversations and I realized the more vulnerable we become the more we can connect deeply you know life is about being vulnerable because when we when we are vulnerable we can connect to each other on a deeper level you know you can't connect with somebody when you've got like a false wall in front of you but when we're vulnerable that's where the magic happens Mm-hmm. And you said something, you know, how when you were initially asked about your story, you said, I don't have a story. Um, you know, I think like, uh, first and foremost, I'm a storyteller, because I want to be able to tell my stories and the stories of other people. Um, and, you know, the mission and the vision of Brown Girl Guilt changed in the since the first year it was out. Um, you know, and I've sort of changed the mission for it to be this archive of stories 
And it came from a conversation that I was having with a friend who was visiting from Toronto. Um, you know, they were doing their uh, PhD um, and wanted to come and hang out in the Surrey archives to sort of read stories about South Asians and South Asian women. Um, and this is my friend um, Amrita, who, uh, you know, is, is a stage performer and has, um, you know, she, she, had, she was doing something called Shades of Brown Girl. And so Amrita came to, to Surrey to hang out in the archives to read stories about South Asian women and then, you know, share with me that it was really hard to find a stories of South Asian people in the archives, mm. B, you know, stories about women, because if they were in the stories, they, they didn't have any names, like they're, they were anonymous. Um, and so when I was listening to that conversation, I thought to myself, like, how sad it is that there are all these powerful, beautiful stories of people who we think are ordinary. And then there's stories that we think are ordinary, but they're really actually both extraordinary. And so I thought to myself, how can Brown Girl Guilt be the archive that an, a PhD student in 10 years or 20 years can sort of Google and find and then be like, oh, so these are the stories of brown women from 2022. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what's really sort of shifted my perception of Brown Girl Guilt as well as that it is a collection of my stories and it's a collection of other stories um, of brown women in my life so that our stories don't go silenced, you know, our experiences don't go silenced. And that, you know, to emphasize that all of us actually have a story and it's important that we share that story and tell that story. That's beautiful. And it's so true what you said, because when they asked me for my story, it's like, I don't have a story. I realized when I shared my story, actually, we all have stories. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you don't realize it because you're just going through what you're going through. But yeah, like that's, I love hearing other people's stories. That's why it's so powerful talking to other people because how are we supposed to connect with someone if we don't know their story yeah 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 and and then like to also think that like we are mirrors for one another right and I think like Mm -hmm. when I get messages and dms from girls all over saying you know oh my gosh I love the podcast I love what you said you know um and they sort of think of me as separate from them, I always say, well, I am a mirror for you. And I see in you what you see in me. And that's, that is why oh. I've recorded this episode. And that's why I said what I said. And I think like, for, for us to really understand that it is a, a reciprocal relationship, like the listener and the, you know, host, it's like, we're not separate from one another, and that we do all have stories. And unless we share our, our stories, we'll never be able to, uh, like, like, you know, like you, like you said as well, that there's light in all of us, right. And we'll never be able to really witness that, that story or that light in the other person at their fullest capacity. Yeah. And like sharing your story is healing. That's how we heal, right? (laughs) So much. That's, (laughs) That's the magic. When we, when we share, we heal, when we heal, we feel, and we're able to deal with it. And so just being in that magic of just being able to be vulnerable, which is something our community just really needs to learn. <laughs> um, because the more we do that, the more we will have more, you know, love for one another, acceptance for one another, and there'd be less drama, if I'm honest. Yeah, absolutely. We would be able to meet other people with compassion and we would, you know, and that would be because we're meeting ourselves with compassion and we're creating space for our stories, right? Yeah. Wow, we're coming towards the end of the show. It's gone really fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was really quick. Yeah. And um, what are your five top tips for someone who wants to be their true self, but they don't really know where to start? Ooh, okay. Top five tips. Um, <laughs> the first one I would say is trust. Um, I think you have to really trust that um, 
what you want for yourself is you know, viable and that you are deserving of what you want. I think like you really have to trust um, yourself and trust the universe to sort of hold you, whether it's in that incubation period or whether it's in like the expression period, just trust is really important. Um, And then to, yeah, like really consider yourself worthy and deserving of all that you want. Um, you know, I think you cannot have what you want without this idea of deservingness. And that's what manifestation is for me is like manifesting isn't writing down a list of things that I want, but it's doing the work on myself to really bring in what it is that I want. Right. So I would say to really consider yourself deserving and work on your relationship with yourself. Um, and I would say to like, speak to yourself really kindly, right. Like to really, to really sit with that voice and ask yourself, what does this voice inside my head really sound like? And is it helpful? Is it detrimental? How can I change it? You know, and, and if I could change it, what would I want it to sound like? Um, Cause for me, for the longest time, my inner voice was incredibly harsh and cruel and, you know, how sad it is to live an entire life with a voice in your head that is really hard. And I mean, that voice still exists in my head till this day, but it's a lot smaller than it used to be. It used to be in command a lot before, but now it's really calmed down. Um, And I would say like, you know, it's a radical act of self-love to allow people in. I think sometimes we think that we have to do things on our own um, and that we have to be hyper-independent. And I know that comes from me being, you know, the eldest daughter in a brown household, you know, <laughs> that like I have to do everything on my own. I have to figure it out on my own. But it's a radical act of self-love to really allow people in um, and to build the world that you want to build with a community that shares the same values as you. It's really, really a beautiful act of love for yourself and your community to allow people in. Um, And I don't know if that was three or four, but I think that the last thing that I would say is that you can really be anything that you want to be. So that song that came on when I was in the bathtub um, is a song by Mumford and Sons uh, titled Wilder Mind. And in the, the song, the line is, you can be every little thing you want nobody to know. And that to me is just so it's just, just, it's an embodiment of whatever I'm doing, which is that like, I can actually be whatever I want. And it it doesn't have to be tied down in restrictions and shackles and limitations, whether those are mine or somebody else's, I can actually be whatever I want to be. And that can change multiple times throughout my life. It can change multiple times throughout the day. Um, but I can really be whatever it is that I want to be. So those are my top five tips for embracing yourself and being your fullest express, like fullest authentic expression. Mm, Love it. (laughs) And what are you most grateful for? Um, my breath, I'm, I'm most grateful for my breath. Um, it's amazing what three deep breaths from my belly can do for my entire nervous system. Um, and for the, you know, the management of my body. Um, so I'm most grateful for my breath because it's the one thing that is constant and consistent and I can keep coming back to, um, yeah, that's what I'm most grateful for. And what shines your inner lights? community (laughs) community really like I'm such a people person I love being around people like I just I love hosting people and I think that's why I'm able to excel in the roles that I have sort of built around me and it's because I just what what shines my inner light is community and what I get to do for them and what they get to do for me and it's this beautiful reciprocal exchange and when I think about the word community I think about this like bright yellow light And so that makes sense that that's what also lights my inside. (laughs) 
Oh, that's really cute. It remind it reminds me of Seva in a way. Yeah. 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 Like really selfless service. I think being myself feels like that sometimes. I've never actually said that out loud because I didn't know if that was going to sound odd or not, but um, you know, my, one of my personal mission and vision statements is to be so good at being myself that it inspires you to be yourself as well. And Aww. so I think, yeah, like that, it does feel like Seva to just be so authentically myself. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much Harpo for being on the show and just being vulnerable and sharing your story and just allowing other Brown women to just really embrace who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me on. I was saying this to you before we started recording that this is the first time that I've been invited to have this sort of a conversation. And I always say that I love, you know, when I get to leave um, a conversation, having learned more about myself and I was listening to myself talk and thinking, wow, did you just say that? So <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for creating the space for me to experience, you know, my self-growth firsthand and for just inviting me and having this conversation. It means a lot. Wow, what a powerful interview with Harpo. It's just, it's so true that once you go on this journey of just trusting your inner lights, everything becomes easier, everything becomes brighter. You're able to really fully live in your truth and do what you're here to do in this world. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. In a society that says, put yourself last, self-love and self-acceptance are most revolutionary. That's a quote by Brene Brown. Take care, my sisters. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at girdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.